0: Chapter two of Good Stories for Great Birthdays This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. Good Stories for Great Birthdays by Francis Jenkins Orcott October the fourteenth William Penn, the founder of Pennsylvania Quote, As justice is a preserver, So it is a better procurer of peace than war. William Penn. Within the land of Penn, the sectary yielded to the citizen, and peaceful dwelt the many creeded men. Peace brooded over all. No trumpet stung the air to madness, and no steeple flung alarms down from bells at midnight rung. The land slept well. The Indian from his face washed all his war paint off. And in the place of battle marches sped the peaceful chase. The desert blossomed round him. Wheat fields rolled beneath the warm wind. Waves of green and gold. The planted ear returned its hundredfold. John Greenleaf Whittier William Penn was born in London October fourteenth sixteen forty four. Received the charter granting him Pennsylvania sixteen eighty one composed the plan for the peace of europe 1693 he died in england may the thirtieth seventeen eighteen the boy of great tower hill in a house on great tower hill near london wall was born william penn who was to become the founder of pennsylvania he was christened william after his ancestor penn of penn's lodge he was a charming baby with round face soft blue eyes and curling hair his father captain penn who had been called home to see the new baby on that first birthday of little william penn went back to his ship rejoicing that he had such a handsome son and heir when william penn was ten years old a strange thing befell him he was not like other boys he was quiet and serious at that time he was a schoolboy in an english village one day he was alone in his room suddenly he felt a wonderful peace and an inner comfort while a glory filled the room he felt that he was drawn near to god so that his soul might speak with him a strange experience for a boy to have but it was an experience which helped to shape william penn's life from that time on he believed that he had been called to live a holy life When he grew older, his family tried to make him forget this religious experience, but he never forgot. In time, he became a friend, or Quaker. In those days, friends were bitterly persecuted in England. William Penn suffered imprisonments and persecutions, but always with patient sweetness and endurance. At last, the persecutions of the friends made William Penn turn his thoughts toward the new world of America he wore it as long as he could when william penn became a friend he did not immediately leave off his gay apparel as other friends did he even wore a sword as was customary among men of rank and fashion one day being with george fox the great leader of the friends he asked his advice about wearing the sword saying that it had once been the means of saving his life without injuring his antagonist and that moreover christ had said HE THAT HATH NO SWORD, LET HIM SELL HIS GARMENT, AND BUY ONE. I advise thee, answered George Fox quietly, to wear it as long as thou canst. Shortly after this they met again. William Penn had no sword. William, said George Fox, where is thy sword? Oh, replied William Penn, I have taken thy advice. I wore it as long as I could. Samuel M. Janney retold. The Peacemaker. Quote, he must not be a man but a statue of brass or stone, whose bowels do not melt when he beholds the bloody tragedies of this war in Hungary, Germany, Flanders, Ireland, and at sea, the mortality of sickly and languishing camps and navvies, and the mighty prey the devouring winds and waves have made upon ships and men. End quote wrote william penn over two hundred years ago it was then that william penn became the peacemaker the world was in the midst of a terrible war william penn did not believe in war he had cast aside his own sword for principle's sake and had bravely suffered persecutions and imprisonments in the tower of london and in newgate fearlessly now he came forward with a plan for world peace which, he hoped, would stop bloody wars and persuade rulers to arbitrate their quarrels. He published a Plan for the Peace of Europe, urging the formation of a League of European Countries. So earnest in this plan and so profoundly thought out that it has had much influence on rulers and statesmen who from time to time have held peace congresses in Europe. But rivalry of nations has prevented the peace plan from ever being carried out. Christians, urged William Penn, have imbrued their hands in one another's blood, invoking and interesting all they could, the good and merciful God, to prosper their arms to their brethren's destruction. Yet their Saviour has told them that he came to save and not to destroy the lives of men, to give and plant peace among men, and, if in any sense, he may be said to send war it is the holy war indeed for it is against the devil and not the persons of men of all his titles this seems the most glorious as well as comfortable for us that he is the prince of peace westward ho and away the time arrived when william penn's peaceful thoughts went sailing over the atlantic westward ho and away for he was appointed a trustee of jersey in america there came to him while he was still in england news of immense tracts of land lying beyond jersey so fertile that under cultivation they would yield harvests unparalleled in his island home he heard of rich minerals of noble forests of river banks offering splendid sites for towns and cities of bays where proud navvies might ride at anchor moreover Many friends who had fled from persecution in England were settled in Jersey. Their industry had already turned the wilderness into a garden. They were holding their meetings and worshipping God without fear of constables and fines, of imprisonments and attacks by mobs. In Jersey they had full liberty of conscience. And William Penn, as his thoughts sailed westward ho and away, saw, rising from the sea, bright and fair, a land of refuge not only for persecuted friends, but for all oppressed people. He determined to found a new state in America where nobody should be persecuted for religion's sake, where everybody should be free, and where the people should govern themselves. A holy experiment, he called it. He presented a petition to Charles II asking for a royal grant of land near Jersey. After many waitings, watchings, solicitings, the title to a vast tract was confirmed to him under the great seal of England. He was to be its ruler and lord proprietor with large powers and privileges. He was to make laws, grant pardons, and appoint officials as he saw fit, but subject to the approval of the English government. Penn named his land Sylvania, but the king called it pennsylvania in honour of old admiral penn william penn's father almost the first thing that penn did was to write to the people already settled in pennsylvania a loving address my friends he began i wish you all happiness here and hereafter these are to let you know that it hath pleased god in his providence to cast you within my lot and care you shall be governed by laws of your own making and live a free and if you will a sober and industrious people thus william penn promised the people of pennsylvania liberty and the right to govern themselves and he kept his promises john stoughton retold the city of brotherly love with what delight did william penn first set foot on the shores of the delaware river it was autumn the sweet clear air the serene skies The trees, fruits, and flowers filled him with a well-nigh unspeakable joy. And later, while being rowed up the river in a barge, he saw the ancient forest trees on either bank, their leaves flaming with red, gold, and amber. He saw flocks of wild fowl rise up from the water and fly screaming overhead. The solitude and grandeur of the wilderness brooded over all. Meanwhile, farther up the river, a welcome was awaiting him, in a little town shaded by pine-trees and built on a high shore there were white men and indians hurrying to and fro they were preparing an entertainment for william penn their governor the town was penn's capital city he had named it philadelphia which means brotherly love and as his barge drew near the city of brotherly love the white settlers swedish dutch and english friends greeted him heartily for they already knew how just gentle and wise he was as for the indians so stately in their robes of fur and nodding plumes william penn walked with them and sat down on the ground to eat with them they gave him hominy and roasted acorns and after the feast they entertained him with their sports jumping and hopping and william penn sprang up gaily like a boy and joining in their games beat them all young braves and old. And so the red men learned to love and trust their great white father. Onus, they called him, for Onus is Indian for a pen or a quill. Such was William Penn's happy welcome to the city of brotherly love. The Place of Kings It was the last of November. The lofty forest trees on the shore of the Delaware had shed their summer attire. The ground was strewn with leaves a council-fire was burning brightly beneath a huge elm not far from the city of brotherly love it was an ancient elm which for over a hundred years had guarded shakamaxon the place of kings for long before the pale-faces had landed on the shore of the delaware indian Sacums, king of the redskins had held their friendly councils in its shade and smoked many a pipe of peace on that november day the tribes of the leni lenape under the wide-spreading branches of the elm were gathered around the council fire they were seated in a half-circle like a half-moon they were all unarmed among the chiefs was the great Sakum taminend revered for his wisdom and beloved for his goodness he sat in the middle of the half-moon with his council the aged and wise on either hand they waited then lo a barge appeared at its masthead flew the broad pennant of governor william penn the oars were plied with measured strokes guiding the barge to land and near the helm sat william penn attended by his council he landed with his people and advanced toward the council fire a handsome man he was only thirty-eight years old athletic and graceful his manners were courteous his blue eyes were friendly he was plainly dressed with a scarf of sky-blue network bound about his waist. Some of his people preceded him. They carried presents for the Indians, which they laid on the ground before them. Then William Penn approached the council fire. Thereupon the great sachem Paminend, put on a chaplet surmounted by a horn, the emblem of his power, and through an interpreter announced that the nations were ready to hear William Penn. Thus being called upon, William Penn began his speech. "'The Great Spirit,' he said, "'who made me and you, "'who rules the heavens and the earth "'and who knows the innermost thoughts of men, "'knows that I and my friends "'have a hearty desire to live in peace and friendship with you, "'and to serve you to the utmost of our power. "'It is not our custom to use hostile weapons "'against our fellow creatures, "'for which reason we have come unarmed.' our object is not to do injury and thus provoke the great spirit but to do good we are met on the broad pathway of good faith and good will so that no advantage is to be taken on either side but all to be openness brotherhood and love here william penn unrolled a parchment on which was inscribed an agreement for trading and promises of friendship he explained the agreement article by article then laying the parchment on the ground he said that that spot should evermore be common to both peoples pale-face and red-skin the indians listened to his speech in perfect silence and with deep gravity and when he was finished speaking they deliberated together for some time then the great sackham ordered one of his chiefs to address william penn the chief advanced and in sackham's name saluted him and taking william penn by the hand made a speech pledging kindness and neighborliness, saying that the English and the Leni lenape should live together in love, so long as the sun and the moon should endure. Samuel M. Janney retold Onas After the treaty was made at the place of kings, the Leni lenape for many years enjoyed the mild and just rule of their elder brother Onas, HE MET THEM OFTEN AROUND THE COUNCIL FIRE, HEARING AND RECTIFYING THEIR WRONGS, ADJUSTING TRADE MATTERS, AND SMOKING WITH THEM THE PIPE OF PEACE. AND WILLIAM PENN MADE TREATIES WITH THE INDIANS WHO DWELT ON THE POTOMAC, AND WITH THE FIVE NATIONS. THUS PENNSYLVANIA HAD QUIET, AND THE RED MEN WERE FRIENDS OF THE SETTLERS. SOMETIMES THEY BROUGHT THE WHITE MEN VENISON, BEANS, AND maize, AND REFUSED TO TAKE PAY whereas in the other colonies the Indians were dangerous neighbors, cruel and delighting in blood. They had been made suspicious and revengeful by the injustice and wickedness of white men. So the red men of Pennsylvania trusted William Penn, although he was a pale-face. What pale-face had they ever seen like him? A pale-face was to them a trapper. "'a soldier, a pirate, a man who cheated them in barter, "'who gave them fire-water to drink, "'who hustled them off their hunting-ground. "'But here was one pale-face, who would not cheat and lie, "'who would not fire into their lodge, "'who would not rob them of their beaver-skins, "'who would not take a rood of land from them, "'till they had fixed and he had paid their price. "'Where were they to look for such another lord?' so when they heard that onas was about to sail for england indians from all part of pennsylvania gathered to take sorrowful leave of him after he was gone they preserved with care the memory of their treaties with him by means of strings or belts of wampum often they gathered together in the woods on some shady spot and laid their wampum belts on a blanket or a clean piece of bark and with great satisfaction went over the whole so great was their reverence and affection for William Penn, inspired by his virtues, that they handed on the memory of his name to their children. When William Penn died in England, the Indians sent his wife a message mourning the loss of their honoured brother Onas, and with the message went a present of beautiful skins for a cloak to protect her while passing through the thorny wilderness without her guide. W. Hepworth Dixon and other sources End of section 2